I think uh, some people are still going to think, well, robots can help us. And I would agree with that. Robots can help us. The danger, here's the danger. I'm not against technology. I'm not against robots. I'm not against AI. What I'm concerned about is when people deify that and decide that we will put that kind of um, structure, whether it's artificial intelligence or the singularity, transhumanism in, as a whole, in charge of making global decisions, that is where I personally say no. And I, what I sense is that there will be a global uprising of awareness. And this is the time to stay focused on the positive too, I, ironically. I, I mean, even though we're talking about the global civil war, which sounds crazy, like global civil war, what is that? I don't think we've ever seen such a thing. So on the whole global history of civil this war. Planet, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what's forecast for 2023 that's by some it. of the futurists. And it's not just one, it's, a, it's actually a few of them. And these are people that have consistently been proven to be fairly accurate. And then it dovetails with the work of the remote viewers that were working with Stephen Schwartz, remote viewing the year 2050, that no longer were countries quite what they were. But there was much more focus on the, the regional. But there was still um, the technology. So it didn't seem like dark ages again. Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Higher Journeys. Happy holidays, wherever you may be on this little blue planet. Cynthia Sue Larson, I cannot believe that we have surpassed Thanksgiving. We're moving swiftly into a lot of different holidays, but it is the season to be jolly. Tis the season to be awake. Tis the season to be ascended. <laughs> like the segue guys, this is what we're going to be talking about. Not just the holidays. We're going to be talking about something quite serious, Cynthia Sue Larson, um, but also uh, encouraging, particularly the way you present uh, this information. Everyone, first of all, I guess I should say welcome to you. You've been on so many times. You're almost like my co-host, but let me say a hearty welcome from Higher Journeys. How was your holiday? How was your Thank Thanksgiving? You. Oh, thanks, Alexis. It's It was good, small but good, and a little spread out, little gatherings, so not just all in one day, but nice. I, I count getting together with family at different points. That all counts. Yes, <laughs> so absolutely. Got absolutely. to do that a few times. And, Great. And it's Great. not just about the food. I think, if anything, this pandemic has shown us to relax some of our expectations, not be so hard on ourselves about anything. Agreed. Agreed. Really well, good. I think that's a great segue for what we're going to be getting into today, journeyers. Cynthia and I talked, as we typically do offline, this time on email, about how far we could go in this conversation in this particular venue, but we decided we, we're going to go as far as we need to go to talk about something very serious, and that has to do, and I'm going to tell you what I'm calling this episode, Awakening Ascension and navigating the shit storm. Yes, I said it, the shit storm, because we're in one. We are in one, and yet it is exciting uh, as well as tumultuous. The exciting part has to do with, and you brought this up in our email exchange, how we need to put our spiritual armor on, how it is time to have a spiritual epiphany, how spiritual epiphany or spiritually minded people spiritually a spiritual mindset i should say and what's going on are not mutually exclusive we are going to need to become more not woo woo spiritual um and really start to become uh entrenched in what we know ourselves to be infinite amazing beings 
but now we're being put to the test. Do you think we're being put to a test right now? What, what's absolutely yeah twenty thousand foot view? What, what do you think's going on? And then we're oh, going to go sure. Well, there's so much. I'm not going to pick on any one thing, but um, and I, I guess depending on when people hear this, they might hear it this week when we're filming it, which is the beginning of moving into December, out of November, 2022. Um, but I think this is going to be continuing for some time. This what you're calling a shit storm. <laughs> And people are noticing that they're not themselves. I was seeing a post on Twitter the other day by Dr. Bernard Kastrup saying, I'm not myself. And he's a very calm philosopher, delves in physics, and he's been angry quite a lot. And I'm not picking on him. I'm just saying that if you're noticing that in yourself, that you're noticing, I'm angry, I'm anxious, I'm my stomach, I've got indigestion, and it's not just because I caught a cold, I'm feeling tense all the time. These are indicators that it's really a good time to develop further whatever spiritual practice and meditation practice that you have access to. Because these times, um, we can all agree, I think, that finding anything to agree on can be challenging. But we can agree that life has not been business as usual for a couple of years now. And we know we can agree on that. And whatever your beliefs may be and your philosophy and supporting facts may be, just starting from that point of commonality and acknowledging that from that standpoint, all of us are going through quite a lot right now. Um, that can open our hearts to becoming a little bit kinder to ourselves and to others. And it really does start with love and kindness, choosing that over anxiety and fear. And then this is where the ascension ideas come into practice. And this is where their importance becomes so foundational at this time of great change and without getting into all the specifics of what's going on, just worldwide, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Obviously we're in pivotal times. We decided that we're again, gonna get as edgy as we uh, can without okay. being <laughs> anything yes. happening to this particular episode on this particular venue. I want you to talk a little bit about what some futurists have said yes. uh, are coming in starting in the next year, big changes. Big changes. What are you hearing? Take this as far as you can. And, and, and this is how we're going to fold in what we're going to need to navigate these big changes there. I think a lot of people feel that we're on the precipice of something absolutely massive. What are you right. hearing? I am hearing that from some of the futurists, uh, such as David Martin and Cliff High, those two are looking at the predictive uh, indicators that they're finding from conversations. Uh, they won't disclose all their sources, at least Cliff High doesn't, but I think in both cases what they're looking at is just um, trends going forward. And they've been using software programs and technology to help discern what will come in the future. And they've been pretty accurate about a lot of things, such as supply chain disruptions and so forth. Uh, the, the Arlington Institute's John Peterson is another person who's been very good at getting information out there. So when I look at these futurists, and I'm going to include Stephen Schwartz with his remote viewing teams, looking mm. at the years 2050 and 2060, that's good news because it shows we make it through this. It won't be quite the way things were, but there will be new technologies. So it doesn't look like stone knives and bearskins. <laughs> so I, I like to keep that kind of positivity and recognize, okay, there will be a future. It will be different. It will be more local, apparently. Uh, with, and I haven't seen the 2060, but looking at the year 2050, 
is very encouraging from Stephen Schwartz's remote viewing. So I'm just putting that there too, because I respect mm -hmm. the work that these people are doing. And then going back to David Martin and what's coming up immediately, well, this is where it starts getting a little bit, um, it could be unnerving, just where we look at the possibility of what he's calling a global civil war in 2023, apparently starting as soon as April. And you might think that sounds insane. I hope it's not um, going to affect me. And I hope so too. You know, I love to ask how good can it get, but we're looking already at strange things happening um, in, in different places in the world right now, in the East, um, in the Middle East, and China just this last week with the very um, historic uprising in terms of just regular everyday people gathering by the thousands and moving protests right into the city centers. So this is quite historic and um, quite noteworthy. So there's already signs, if we look for them, that there's resistance to, you might be wondering, what are they resisting? What are they fighting against? They're fighting against a totalitarianism and this idea uh, from the Chinese, it would be that they feel that their leadership has been unfairly locking them into their homes. So when one apartment house caught fire, people were unable to exit, and dozens of people died, including a child. So that's where the, the combination of the Chinese people seeing that and then looking at the World Cup with people around the world gathering in stadiums without even wearing masks and apparently being just fine. Apparently, the combination of these two things was a tipping point for the Chinese. I'm just mentioning the Chinese because it just happened. It's brand new in the news. When you look at that, then you realize, okay, Maybe something like this, like this global world um, uprising, or um, they're calling, I guess they're calling it a war, but it seems like it's more, it's a different kind of war. It seems like a war of independence, if you will, against some of the power structures that have been present for a long time. Wow. We know that China has been in the forefront, not in a good way, of uh, these sort of tyrannical um, approaches to society, to civilization. And so to see them reach a tipping point on mosques, I'm assuming it's a, there's a lot of people there, could be setting a, a precedent for the rest of the globe. I know in Australia still, uh, there's a lot because of the measures that have been so, that have been so uh, stringent. Um, there has been, you know, pockets of uprising and, and I think it's going to grow. So here's a question I have for you. So the, this idea of potential civil war being um, inevitable in a short period of time, even if it's a year from now, two years from now, do you believe that there's certain factions that are hoping for that or maybe planning for that? Well, I'm, I've heard, usually there's finger pointing going on. Usually when you hear these terms bandied about in the United States, then there's a finger pointing across the aisle. Like, well, of course, it's those other guys on the other side that are starting it. And it's interesting to hear it from both sides, uh, um, you know, from the Democrats and the Republicans, both saying that it's their fault and they're clearly agitating, they're the violent ones and so forth. So we hear that in the United States quite a lot. Uh, from my point of view, it looks like there's just general unease. There's a distrust of the mainstream narrative. Things are falling apart everywhere. And that's where these futurists really are. That's what they're looking is the tinderbox, the, the <laughs> this huge accumulation of explosives that's about sure. to blow. They're looking at that. And so when you look at who can you trust, and when people start noticing 
that it was supposed to be the winter of death for the unvaccinated, for example. I'm just saying that that's what that's what people had said. And going back um, to last year, and then that did not exactly happen. And then a bunch of other things didn't happen the way the narrative was um, saying that it would. So things are not so safe and effective as have been advertised. And I think there's a growing sense of awareness of uh, just this excess mortality problem that's truly a global issue. For most places, with the exception of those such as most countries in Africa, which appear to be unscathed, and then people start looking at, okay, what's going on here? You know, why would there be such a difference? And uh, some of the answers that people are coming up with when they awaken individually, because we can be guided collectively to believe something. That's easy. We trust the people we trust, and we all collectively get led a certain direction. But then individually, we're capable of waking up and asking questions and looking at things, and that is what's happening. That That's what's happening globally right now. So as we mm. ask the, those powerful questions as to what is really happening and what is safe and effective, for me, that would be natural immunity and working with within nature and recognizing good foods, uh, things that make sense, that we know make sense, that have been historically proven for thousands of years, uh, you know, natural medicines and natural practices. Uh, those, That's how I personally recovered from long-haul COVID. And so I know it works. And I know that when we look at toxins, um, that that can be the root of some serious problems, but there can be natural uh, treatments for that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've been quite outspoken in this, in this uh, area of discussion, which seems uh, a bit of a departure from, you know, uh, the work that you have, that you're known for. um, And yet there is this beautiful blend because you are a true metaphysical warrior, a consciousness warrior, Again, getting back to this idea of juxtaposing the spiritually oriented with, excuse me, this very real, uh, you know, uh, and tough terrain we're dealing with. How would you recommend individuals sort of blend the two? Because again, some people believe that they're two totally separate things. I beg to differ. I think you do too. But how, I I guess the question is, how do we bring uh, uh, the spiritual aspect to center, to meet this very 3D aspect in order to successfully navigate all of this. We are living at a time of great challenge and incredible opportunity. A time when taking life into our own hands, charting our own course, and finding our own answers is more accessible than ever before. During this time, you may be asking yourself, what am I called to do? What if I could discover not only my own inner healing power, but help others all over this planet discover theirs? We all have the ability to heal ourselves, but it takes a special approach, a unique approach. Quantum Healing Hypnosis Technique, also known as QHHT, a method developed by pioneering hypnotherapist and past life regression expert Dolores Cannon, is the approach that thousands have used and taught to access the deeper aspect of the self for healing at the core level. We all have the ability to tap into the higher self, the oversoul, the higher consciousness, and we have the means to help others to do the same. 
QHHT is designed to help the individual access the subconscious, the storehouse of all information through visualization at the deepest level imaginable, a process that Dolores Cannon discovered and refined during her decades of working with individuals from around the globe. Training with QHHT will provide the guidance and give you the tools to help others tap that incredible force within. Now you can access this exclusive training online, bringing the tools needed right to you so you can assist others in finding their own answers and achieve total healing. This is powerful and needed now more than ever. Be a part of the pioneering work and legacy of Dolores Cannon by learning QHHT. Start today by clicking on the link in the description of this show to get started. And when you do, don't forget to mention Higher Journeys to get a 10% course discount when you sign up. It's time we all take back control of our lives and chart the course for success at every level. It's time to discover the power of quantum healing hypnosis technique by helping others to help themselves. And by doing this, we are helping to heal the world. Yes, well, again, I think it starts with the individual noticing that um, and it's an experiment you can conduct with yourself. Just notice uh, when, on the days when you're feeling grounded and happy and relaxed, are you, you know, how did that day go for you? Probably that was a better day than a day when you're feeling agitated, tense, stressed, anxious, and so forth. Oh, that sounds so obvious to say it that way. I'm, I'm making it, I'm just starting from an obvious place. And we can all see that. What, what tends to happen, though, is for people that notice, I'm just angry. I've been angry for weeks, like what Bernard Kastrup said the other day on Twitter. Um, he's not alone, so I'm not picking on him. I'm, I, I thought it was courageous, actually, to admit something like that and to just say, like, this is not me. I've just been angry. And some of the posts might have sounded, I, I was looking at his posts and thought, that sounds kind of angry. That doesn't sound like the philosopher that I know that I've respected all these years. And I'm not picking on him. I, I just, I want to say that we can all at times get led down that path. We can start sounding angry. We can start saying things that are hurtful. And maybe not realizing that we've that this is not us. And I think that's the beginning to notice the thoughts you have are not you. And this is where it starts getting metaphysical, right? Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it's so practical because if we do not make that step in acknowledging that this thought is not me, it's not mine. You know, maybe it's hanging around, um, but you can have moments that you can develop within your day where you can regain a sense of of groundedness, of clarity, and not getting pulled into all of that drama. Mm -hmm. And that really is the key to true spiritual enlightenment, ascension, and being a spiritual warrior. And it is a practical way of life. Mm -hmm. Well said. When you think about, uh, we just had a workshop actually with uh, Dylan Charles of wakingtimes.com about a month or so ago, where we really got deep into that idea of really being able to discern which thoughts uh, are yours, which aren't, and how to navigate, particularly as an empathic or sensitive person, uh, that terrain. And because there is such a thickness of energy, a thickness of emotion collectively in the air, if you will, uh, whether you're an empath or not, uh, you're, you're going to feel that. It's permeable, Cynthia. That's the way, that's the way it works. You know, we're like sponges. And whether we're picking up some form of energy from a neighbor or, or some event across uh, the planet, uh, perhaps now the the sort of paradox is that the, the tension is at an all-time high, but perhaps energetically we're even more malleable 
now because of what's happening from a frequency perspective on this planet. That too, all, all hands on, not all hands on deck, but everything is heightened right now. You know, does that make sense? Yes. And this is where the spiritual practice that we've had it makes such a difference to like, like one of my practices is to go into no motion, no thought, and just that place of stillness. It's kind of beyond space and time. And doing that, it's just it's just like resetting yourself, resetting myself back to complete calmness, regardless what seemed to be happening. And that practice is very powerful because then when I come back out of it, if it, it's, it's kind of like spending a moment of the hermit in the cave with no thought, no time, just nothing. And just feeling, neutrality, neutrality, yeah, a neutral space. I think that's, stillness, peace. Absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah. coming back out, emerging from that, um, even though there may be chaos all around, it's, it's a lot easier for me personally to recognize that's not my chaos. And then I'm so keenly aware with the quantum jumping work that I do that Whatever, wherever I'm coming from, that's what I'll experience. So I know what, the importance already of staying very grounded, very calm, very neutral, mm -hmm. and very present in this moment. And for me, that, that go-to is that nothingness meditation, that stillness beyond space and time, just at the core of reality, which is love, and you know, really feeling that regularly. It was Daryl Anka, who I had on the show at the beginning of the pandemic, really back, in, I think it was the end of March of 2020, uh, where we talked about a session that Bashar had done in which he foretold uh, this upcoming event that would inevitably happen in March of 2020. And the message was, you're going to have the storm swirling all around you, but you must find your way to the center because in the center, it is the calmest, the eye of the storm. And it sounds like that's a place where you're going and a place where we can all be, a place where we can all be. But it's it's one thing to say it. I know you know how to do it. You're a master at that. But when you literally have a storm swirling all around you, let's say it's a family that uh, you're living with that doesn't maybe doesn't agree with your ideology. Let's just take a really, really condensed uh, example. And yeah, you're angry, you're frustrated, you're sad, you're, you're grief stricken. How would one find their way to that eye? How would one find their way to the eye of the storm? Well, it really is a personal situation. So, um, you know, each person has their own natural way of accessing that. And then you've got limitations and challenges intrinsic to your environment as well. So some people, if they've got children and a job, they just say, Cynthia, this sounds great. But And Alexis, thank you so much for what you're doing, but it's not realistic for me to meditate. I can't do that. Um, I, I would suggest, well, carve out whatever time you do have. Maybe when you first wake up, before you stand up, just give yourself a minute to just start your day with clarity and just clear your mind. And if you're afraid to fall back asleep, I can understand that. Oh, people that are working and they've got kids, my heart goes out to them. This is, or if they're caring for people of any age, oh, it's challenging, absolutely. Uh, but it's going to be important for all of us going forward to practice with starting with whatever you already know, and then keep building on that, just little steps at a time. So just making a few more minutes each day. Um, and I love the work you're doing. I'm so glad you mentioned that you've done these events with, um, that you, you're so good at bringing people together to contribute and create these programs. And I did this Ascension one with you, which I would recommend absolutely. strongly. <laughs> absolutely. What the Ascension is and what it isn't 
how to grow with it and to thrive. I think I got part of that title messed up. It's kind of a long subtitle, but the bottom line is you really knocked it out of the park because you really went into, and it was a fun, very uh, fun, uh, the way you presented it, but rich in terms of getting clarity on what this whole word ascension means. A lot of people have kind of an adverse effect to the word. I was one of those people, still kind of am, but I think it's something that you can relate to. We're not looking at necessarily a hierarchical ascension, but rather um, uh, an evolution, really, an evolution of, of the soul self bringing the soul self down to a grounded level yes and you did you just presented it end to end so beautifully i absolutely recommend you can now get it on demand and uh, and uh, i also recommend you share it with other people of course we'll have a link but yeah key points from that workshop if you recall i mean you you went into a bit of the the appearance of what is going on right now right because a lot of people are yeah we're seeing signs signals feeling the chaos mm-hmm. <laughs> and feeling the invitation. It's, it's like there's an invitation being extended to each and every one of us mm-hmm. through synchronicity, through repeating numbers, yes. through, you know, all these different things that we're feeling, you know, high sense perception. You know, a lot of people are getting those kinds of things at this time. Absolutely. And, and it's just, yeah. it's like we get what we need when we need it. Well, we need this now. We need right. ascension right now. Right. It's part. And for the family that you described in your example, where they'd see things differently and they've got evidence and proof. And it's, so it's useless to try to argue because mm-hmm. they're already convinced, you know, they know the facts, they trust their sources and you've got yours that are different. Um, but it's important for you to find that calm and to bring your full spirit into where you are, no matter how crowded or constrained your circumstances may appear to be, you can start to rise up and regain that full sense of who you really are. Absolutely. You mentioned repeating numbers. It never relents for me, Cindy. And but it seems to come in waves. Let's talk about this for a minute. And then look, the repeating number syndrome, I'm gonna call it, yes. has been going on for for decades for some people, more recent years for others. For me, it's been a couple of decades. And again, for me, it tends to wax and wane, wax right. and wane. Well, lately, last few days, eleven eleven, this has been happening for nearly 20 years, but it definitely has patterns. Let's talk about that. This might be a little bit of a diversion from our main conversation, but maybe we can connect back into the significance and how these numbers can guide us. Why am I seeing 1111 in the last, I would just say three, four days consistently, hadn't seen it for in this way in months. What's going on cosmologically that might be impacting that, if anything? Well, those are those master level numbers are um, again when you see them repeating like that. Again, I would call it an invitation, just to it's an acknowledgement of where you are energetically to be able to see them in the first place, and then it's an invitation to um, to say, okay, I like that, and I'd like to own that, uh, you know, to operate from that higher level of self. And before we started talking, you were mentioning things that are indicative of the fact clearly you are doing that right now. You're in a chapter of your life, clearly, that's extraordinary. So it doesn't surprise me when you said like, oh, this is just happening. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes. And, and then as you recognize, this is an extraordinary chapter in my life. And I'll be, I will step up. And it's, it's you're already having that dialogue, if you will, with the cosmos, with the mm-hmm. divine saying, okay, I'll write about this or I'll do something about this. I'm going to share this somehow. As soon as you make that kind of a commitment, 
they're going to get further confirmation. So to me, these are indicators of a conversation that's ongoing with our thoughts. Even if you say like, but Cynthia, I didn't tell anyone. You don't have to. Yeah. It, even, even if you don't tell anyone, just the fact that you are starting to align yourself with a higher level of yourself and you know, working more in collaboration thus with everyone and all concerned, then you start getting some angelic assistance, I would say, in, you know, from higher levels of awareness. And obviously that can come through with these angelic numbers. To me, 1111 is a very divine combination. And it's a master it's number, of course, double very, master. With, yes. Yeah, yeah. That and 55 for me, 55 for a long time. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the, the, my, my point is that because it really, really uh, trying to determine what the significance of, of the numbers are for an individual can be can be a little tricky. Are they ominous numbers? Are they for, for foreboding or are they encouraging? And I think it depends on the the individual that's experiencing them. But I I'm also wondering if there is some sort of a planetary connection when we start to see an intense or an uptick of seeing them more, 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 more synchronicity, yes. more. What might be going on oh, out gosh. there? There's a lot going on. I, I, I recently um, had Rory Duff on our International Mandela Effect Conference. Ah. And and we, we often, we, we, we're a sponsor of your show and what you're doing with Higher Journeys. So you know, IMEC. Yes, <laughs> and yes. Rory Duff was, he's a geobiologist and he was talking about something amazing that's happening in a good way with the energy grid lines. So uh, if I don't know if people that watch your show are familiar with dowsing, but people I like Hamish remember. Miller. Yeah. I, yes. think, I, yeah. I was a big fan of Hamish Miller back when he was alive. I'd order his books and he'd, back in those days, there was not the internet as we know it. So I would send a letter with a, actually some money in cash in the envelope and he would send an autograph book back to me. And then when I visited England, I took dowsing rods and learned to douse. Um, and I was following the Michael and Mary lines. I'm mentioning his work, even though he's passed away because another big fan of his work is Rory Duff, who was working as an engineer, I think in South Africa underground and you know doing like mining engineering kind of work. And I, I just wanted to share his background because it's very technical. And then he went into the work of dowsing, moved to England, and he's living there now, I believe, still. And his big news flash for all of us is that we can expect to see the um, a huge change in the world uh, that we're already starting to witness. If you if you measure the size of the energy grid lines, there are like level four lines, which are the big ones um, crossing the United the United States and also the world. He said back a few years, the emperor dragon lines came in. Uh, there's one across the United States of America, I think from Virginia down to California, that goes from Virginia to, oh, see, uh, where Monterey kind of area in California. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like a snake, like a river. It just goes across the, the land. But it's been like expanding. So all the energy grid lines are expanding. They're expanding. expanding. Okay, I was going to ask and, you how they're changing. They're literally. It's bringing these ascension energies into everybody's life. And it's going to hit a point where it's a worldwide and it's just one big energy grid and there is no lack of energy anywhere that that high point hits on december 21st 2024 so we're heading it, this has been long predicted rory duff's been talking about other people have years. talked about that yes yeah. 2024 being the, the 2024 is yeah. it so it's december 21st and that's the entrance of a 200 year golden age that we're all expecting so 
um, now how do we get there? Well, that's the chaos and the shitstorm you're talking about that's going on. So, but it's all part of this this beautiful design that's long been expected. Yeah. So I think I, a lot of us were wondering where's the chaos going to come from, and now we're in it, and it's like good grief. <laughs> Yeah, what is going on? Yeah, and yet it seems like the patterns never deviate. Uh, Forgive the cliche, the darkness is before the dawn. Yes. The birth canal, you know, in the beginning of all this madness, I use that analogy of a baby that is coming through water, through a very dark canal. It's black, it's dark, it's cold, and it's you know, about to be unfamiliar as they're birthed into a world. But once they're here and once that scream, that that blood curdling scream comes out of their mouths, they look around and hopefully a smile and a giggle at some point. Ah, I've made it. And it seems so fitting here. And when you look back in history, uh, some of the biggest events, it got really, really, really bad, really, really dark. And then the epiphany happened or the the shift actually took place. So it makes sense. It makes sense. And this is the time to stay focused on the positive too, ironically. I mean, even though we're talking about the global civil war, which sounds crazy, like global civil war, what is that? I don't think we've ever seen such a thing. So on the whole history global of civil this war. planet, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what's forecast for 2023 that's by some true. of the futurists. And it's not just one, it's a, it's actually a few of them. And these are people that have consistently been proven to be fairly accurate. And then it dovetails with the work of the remote viewers that were working with Stephen Schwartz, remote viewing the year 2050, that no longer were countries quite what they were, but there was much more focus on the, the regional, but there was still um, the technology. So it didn't seem like dark ages again. And I think if we can stay fixed on that's where we're going, I think that's important. And keep that in mind because it's... Yeah, don't focus on the potholes. Don't focus on the war. Well, that's the thing. Yes, I agree, Cynthia. That's the thing. Forgive me for cutting you off, but you you just hit me right there. In terms of those of us who are aware of what may be happening behind the scenes, if you you will, to the extent that we can know only by information, it can get pretty... You talk about dark just by focusing on that and the importance of... Uh, weaning yourself from it so you're not watching it and listening to it and thinking about it all day every day I know I got kind of caught up in that and I said you know what Alexis you need to you need to let up on the gas pedal a bit and start you know thinking about some things that are that are positive and good because there are a lot of positive good things going on but we have to catch ourselves in that we have to watch that great to be informed great to to uh, to the extent that you can with uh, credible information of course there's a lot of BS information out there as well, but there's a there's a lot that could be that, that's scary, you know. Um, some of the trends that we're seeing and what some of interesting you you refer to David Martin as an example as a futurist because they also refer to Ray Kurzweil as an right? example as a futurist, a different yes. kind of futurist. Let's let's delineate let's that a bit. Okay, let's go. There. We're not yeah, talking I, about transhumanism, guys. No, we can go there if you want. We can talk about that too. Let's do exactly. It. Yeah, I attended a conference at Stanford University back in 2000, I think, and Ray Kurzweil was there. This is a very entertaining event. I actually documented it, and, and it was back in the early days of the internet. But I have my report from it I posted on my website at Reality Shifters, and I wrote up exactly what happened. What happened was extraordinary because. 
even though Ray Kurzweil was talking about this singularity where uh, to him, transhumanism is the goal, not for me, but to him. And, I, I, and there was just a gathering of people mostly aligned with that way of thinking. A couple of people that were holdouts and saying, wait a minute, this doesn't sound so good. But for the most part, it was all about, um, this is what we want it to do. We want to put our brain in the cloud and live forever. And it'll be downloaded into some some cloned robot version of ourselves or what, what have you. To me, that sounds like a complete nightmare. Um, I've worked in information technology and information security. So I've got a bit of an insider's view of that. And um, from that standpoint, I was feeling like this does not sound good um, to me. And I know Ray Kurzweil is very keen on it. And he has a and lot others. of a lot of people have jumped on that bandwagon. But to me, it seems um, short-sighted and not spiritual. It does not seem of the earth or of the true nature of what's all no, that's no. good and pure in this world. So, and, and we saw, I saw a reflection of that in the event itself at Stanford. It was kind of funny to me, at the, and a lot of people thought it was funny. And when was um, this event, Cindy? It was around 2000. I did document really? it and I posted a page on it on my Reality Shifters website. Yes. So it's um, findable. It's kind of in there somewhere. <laughs> a question for you at this event yeah. in 2000-ish, in yeah. did he have some uh, uh, forecasted time period in which he, he and others would see this come to fruition? I think they were talking about like 2030. That was their big of course. goal. Of course. I had a feeling. Was <laughs> yeah. I know. We're, we heard that number. Yeah. And again, do your own research, people. If you've heard that number, check it out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what well, the other thing that was funny to me about the talk is that as the microphones, they were using this high tech system, of course, at Stanford. These are technologists. They're talking about putting, you know, uploading their consciousness to the cloud and what have you. And the microphones keep going out. That's what's so funny. I felt like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's like, give me a sign. Just give me a sign you know, that this is really going to work. That we can all put our faith in technology. But no. And I think there were several people chuckling about that. Like, Interesting. It was more than once. It's like several speakers, their microphones failed. Oh, very noteworthy. It, it just seems like if you're listening to what's going on, if you're really observing everything, then you're getting a real-time communication conversation, just like uh -huh. repeating numbers. You know, pay attention to everything. Agreed. Agreed. So, that was definitely significant. And to me, the universe talks in subtitles. And the subtitle when the microphones go out is... You guys can think you're putting yourselves into this technology, but who knows what will really happen and is it really safe? So that was the subtitle, which was unintended and inadvertent and not what they meant to be saying at all. But it was quite clear to me. Quite <laughs> interesting. You heard it here first. I don't know if anyone's talked about this conference. How many people attended, do you recall? It was, um, yeah, that was maybe several hundred. It wasn't thousands and I don't think it was filmed. So, but I did write my report of it with a little brief couple of sentences about each speaker and what they presented, what they said. And that there were some people that were saying like, we, we got to stop. We got to, I think one person said that like, we should not be going this direction. This is not good. So there was one naysayer and then everybody else just overwhelmingly transhumanists. Supported it. Yeah, they did. And, and since that time, of course, I'm proposing that we follow the ancient teachings of the wisdom keepers of this planet, which is really an idea that I call revhumanism. But I just made the word to be an alternative, a positive alternative to transhumanism, mm -hmm. that we keep our inner technology, you know, that we work with our own intuition, with our own natural ways of working 
for our health rather than trusting some high-tech version of what's supposed to be Absolutely. good for us that we later find might be killing us a couple of different ways. Yeah. So here's that a kind question. Of yes. How do you feel that this idea of transhumanism from your perspective coincides with what's going on right now and what's been going on for the last couple of years? Well, Keep it kind of clean if you can, but like yeah. I said, we're going to go there. I yeah, love we talk, your thoughts. Yeah. We mentioned 2030 and that's not an accident. So, um, so again, talking about the conference in the year 2000, when they talked about the singularity, the idea was that there would be this moment when all of artificial intelligence would gain the ability to have a kind of personhood, if you will, a, a sentience to know itself as being conscious and for that to be surpassing the capability of, of regular humans. So this is sort of the holy grail of transhumanism as some would present it. Clearly there are other transhumanists. I'm not speaking for transhumanists. I'm not even one of them, but I'm just saying that, that that's kind of the, in a nutshell, <laughs> what some of the people are aiming for. That year 2030, if you do your research, you can see there's been an agenda by some people who are very powerful, who would like to exert uh, dominance of some of their ideas on the planet. And that's what some of the futurists are suggesting uh, that by the year 2023, next year, people will be feeling like, oh, no, you don't. And that in that next seven years from 2023 to 2030, again, no accident, that time period will be the time period when we'll be making a choice collectively as humanity. Do we wish to be part of this transhumanism or do we wish to choose another path? At what point do you feel the majority of the population, if at all, we're talking about those who we would euphemistically call asleep, forgive me for, for being so harsh, versus aware, how many of them would become consciously aware of this idea of transhumanism, if at all? I don't think it's consciously something people are aware of. Uh, I mean, it, people sort of laugh about it in the mainstream. I, and most of my, you know, if you wonder, how do I know this? Well, it's my neighbors. It's my community. Um, right. You know, if you it's, just, it's just say to them, if you ever heard the yeah. term, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. They're like, I don't know what that is. It's right. not like a common thing. I live in a university city of Berkeley, so maybe in my local community, people might know more about it. But uh, it doesn't seem to have such a negative slant to it yet. I would say that I here's my prediction. That's going to change. If you take a look at that word and how people feel about it, right now in 2022, which is naive, by next year, 2023, there will be a dawning of an awakened awareness, like, wait a minute, this may not be so good, this transhumanist thing. I think there's going to be the beginning of kickback um, from some of the things that have already happened and the fallout from that. So what you're saying is that people will become more aware of the idea of a transfer of homo sapiens sapien to a more synthetic version. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think uh, some people are still going to think, well, robots can help us. And I would agree with that. Robots can help us. The danger, here's the danger. I'm not against technology. I'm not against robots. I'm not against AI. What I'm concerned about is when people deify that and decide that we will put that kind of um, structure, whether it's artificial intelligence or the singularity, transhumanism in, as a whole, in charge of making global decisions, that is where I personally say no. And I, what I sense is that there will be a global uprising of awareness and an awakening of awareness of, of all of this, 
which has been concealed from humanity for a long time. A long time. And, and you might say, well, of course, we didn't have AI, we didn't have robots. No, but we had the front runners of all of this, um, believe we're, it or not. <laughs> we're, we're talking about AI in this, uh, yes. or AI as it's more commonly known as other than us, whereas in transhumanism, there is this uh, this coinciding or synthesis of humanity with AI so that humanity becomes AI. Right. That's my understanding. It's an oversimplistic definition, but that's my understanding of what transhumanism ultimately is, is that a, a, a morphing of uh, the hum human or taking the human out of the human and replacing it with some synthetic uh, a replica that's I, bigger, clearly, better, stronger. Yeah, and, and we, we've been using technology, like when is a man not a man or a woman not a woman? When you take body parts out one at a time, like, okay, you don't have your arm, are you still human? You know, because, you know, we've now replaced it with a robotic arm because it felt it got mangled in an accident. Um, and now you need a replacement hip and a replacement eye. And, you know, before long, maybe you're just a hodgepodge of these mechanical parts, but you're still human. So I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about that technology. Again, the concern is chiefly one of where are we putting our reverence? What do we revere? What are we most thankful for? What do we consider to be? You know the the true thing is that's greater than us. That's not a thing. It's just consciousness and love. You know, are we honoring that? And if if you know when you ask that question that I love, how good can it get? Is this really how good it can get that we are just moving no. to synthesize with no. machines? Is that how good it can get? I'd say no to that. So, so I think that's the uprising. That's the global civil war. Hmm. But it, under the guise of all sorts of other things. Under being, the guise of being, other yeah, things. being told. Yeah. Like farmers being told that they can't use fertilizer and people being told they can't eat meat or they can't do this or that or own anything. You know, these kinds of issues um, or being locked into an apartment building when it burns, when it catches fire and people can't escape as just happened in China. Yeah. So we've got real examples worldwide going on. Absolutely. Speaking of how good can it get, I've got to share with you, I'm going to piggyback on your now famous phrase, journey, as you know, Cynthia, as a matter of fact, what I was talking to a couple of the patrons uh, uh, not that long ago, and your name came up and your phrase, yeah, Cynthia Sue Larson, she always says, how good can it get? And I've got a piggyback for you. So I've been saying every day, how good can it get? And the uh -huh. answer is, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> That's my part. So Cindy says, how good can it get? I say, you ain't seen nothing yet. The sky's the limit. Absolutely. Beyond the sky. Speaking of patrons, let's get to some questions. We've got a couple. Thank you to the patrons. And one of the benefits of becoming a patron is you get to ask questions. And it's a guaranteed question asked and hopefully an answer. So yes. I'm going to go right to, uh, if I may, Cynthia, uh, Sue, who asked the question, what is the Phoenix 2040 event and how do you retrieve things that randomly go missing? Okay, so there's there's a bunch of different things going on. A few different questions. Okay. Are you familiar with the Phoenix 2040 event? No. I'm not it, either. That sounds like a future event if it's tied in with the year 2040. Right. The Phoenix, Phoenix, of course, is the rising from the ashes symbolism and the great, um, you know, with, within Phoenix Carl. rising. Yeah, it's like it's, it's this beautiful... Uh, energy of rising up from the ashes. The ashes, if you believe that this global 
civil war is coming, then it would be all finished at 2030. And then there'd be a rebuilding phase. 2040 would be like, a, like uh, I mean, hopefully things will come together before that. I'm an optimist. So I'd love to see even during the civil war that the parallel systems that we're going to be depending on are already here. I know they are. I, I know some people working on some of them, whether it's in the financial areas or farming, you know, all of these areas are being looked into by good people, not just the elite that they might be concerned about. Okay. So good things are coming. Um, so okay. I don't know. I don't know the details about this 24. We'll look that good. up, Sue. I, yeah. I didn't have a chance to look it up myself. I feel like I've heard the, the that as an event, but to be honest, I'm not really that familiar. But she has a couple more questions. She says, and this is a question to be asking Cynthia Sue Larson, how do you retrieve things that randomly go missing? <laughs> right. Well, one thing I do in my house is I just walk away from the area that I was expecting to find it. And such as the cupboard in my kitchen where I was expecting to find a, a jar of seasoning and it wasn't there. So I just left the, I shut the cupboard. In other words, give it some uh, plausible deniability <laughs> because I'm working with a quantum foam and uncertainty and so forth. So you walk away, give it a chance. I walk out of the room, down the hall, which is symbolic of into another reality. So I'm just in the in the hall of all realities, all possibilities. And I come back down through the hall, come through another door. Might be the kitchen again, but it's not the same kitchen. I've recognized that I'm doing this walk as a meditation to just like, okay, now let's check again. So the first time I rechecked, it wasn't there yet. Shut the cupboard, walked out down the hall. So I just do this meditation. And you can say a mantra, like how good it can it get? You ain't seen nothing yet. I love it. I love the way it rhymes. It sounds like a song coming on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can just do your little boogie and your song. You're walking along. Come back and check it again. Not there yet. So it's you just keep like, okay, you got your privacy. I'll check. You know, questions asked. Love to see it when it returns. Uh, sometimes I will get things on the first check back. But in this case with the seasoning, it took, I think, five times. But then there it was right in front where there's no way I could have ever missed it. Mm -hmm. And no questions asked. It's like, yes. Um, sometimes with a missing jewelry case, I just do, again, walking. In this case, in a circle, just expecting, you know, just how good can it get? And hope for reality shift is another good one. And then... And say uh, that again. A, the, hope for reality hope shift. Hope for a reality shift. Yeah. Okay. And at some point there, it was just at my feet um, where it, there's no reason. It hadn't been there on any of the other walks around the house. It was just a little um, jewelry piece that was missing. And there it showed up. And so sometimes things will show up in unexpected places, but you might get a visual flash. Like I've seen something show up on top of the refrigerator, like high places. So then there's plausible deniability. Like, oh, you didn't see it because it's on the refrigerator. But like, wait a minute, it would never be on the refrigerator. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, I it wasn't it. there, but it, you give it that little opportunity to hide, to arrive without being stared at. So. I think the way you're describing this, Cindy, I think the, uh, another key factor is having a playful attitude about it, almost turning it into a little bit of a game. Yes. So getting back to your point of the importance of getting to a neutral space. Yes. I'm not angry that I lost the, the item. Uh, I'm not, you know, uh, anything, uh, you know, you want to just be in a place of just neutral expectation, if that makes any sense. 
being in a neutral space because you know how good can it get it's you know, yeah. it's going to show up and make a game out of it so i think i think there's there's something to that too and you've got such a great attitude when it comes to these sorts of things so i lost something and found uh i was looking for my measuring tape big chunky one of those heavy measuring tapes i was going to measure something in yeah. my new house or something i was going to buy to put in the house and i knew I knew for a fact that I left it in a specific drawer. I looked through the drawer three, four times. It was not there. Of course, my husband goes to look for it when I asked him, where's the measuring tape? Did you take it? No, I didn't. He looks in the drawer. And for him, it was there. Right there. I looked right. in the same drawer three, four times. It was not there. Big orange measuring tape. I, okay. I know the ones. Yeah. 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 It has to be. It, it, it had to be a reality shift in, in, to, to oh, some serious. extent. Yeah. Yeah. She let's see. She's got. Um, what is your number one strategy to manage anxiety? Well, that that one is my go-to. Is that nothing is meditation, and it works also if I've had a nightmare or just feel like this bad energy or or just any feeling like a curse or like too much chaos or just or depression or grief or just about anything. I just go into that nothingness, nothingness that pure neutrality. Just practice no thought, no time, no change. And just being just sort of like, just catching your breath in there, in that nothingness, in that mm -hmm. place of no stress, no pressure, mm -hmm. no change at all. Just infinite eternity. And just- um, We can all get there because we come yeah. from there. It's, That's right. I'm sure it takes practice. I mean, when when one sits down to meditate, I don't know anyone that has, unless you're an adept, you know, a master at it, that can get into a session and immediately uh, go into a state of oblivion, <laughs> you know, and it gets uh, easier with practice though. It well, does. it does. It does. And even if they're just moments at a time or seconds right. at a time for me, you know, and even a second counts, yeah. even a second counts. So that moment of just pure uh, uh, oblivion, I call it. Um, yeah. I say that's a success. So in any case, I hope that helped uh, Sue. Thanks again for your question. Now, Victorina asks, okay, what if this big C episode, C episode we have endured for the last couple of years is actually a species DNA upgrade? That's entirely possible. I mean, if you look at the most optimistic possible take on it, that would be the one. <laughs> like, well, if, it's where you decide, like, okay, this is not just the nightmare that it seems like it's been. But it, um, as we have seen previously, our memory itself is thanks to a virus that humanity, that humans, human beings had many, many thousands of years ago. We wouldn't have the ability to have memory at all if we hadn't had that original virus. So it's it's part now of our DNA that got, became part of the blueprint for who we are. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that beautiful idea, like how good can it get with this situation? Um, that would be how good it can get, just to say that's what I require, I require for humanity that this is an upgrade. And even though it looks on the face of it like that has not been the case, um, this is the key goal of reality shifting to see the way the world appears to be. Like, okay, my item is missing or I have an illness or something, but then to realize there's an adjacent reality where that's different and it's not the case. So to recognize, okay, we can collectively choose that even though it seems like, you know, people swear at this uh, C situation. I have myself, definitely. But then we can say, okay, but there's this adjacent reality where this is totally an upgrade. 
we're about to start seeing just how that is. From a metaphysical perspective, it could very well be. Let's even, claim it. Let's grab it. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's claim it and, you know, or, or recognize, recognize, recognize yes. the fact that it was designed to do that. If that's the case, I don't know. But that's come up before, actually. Let's, and let's say our thing. Let's say how good can it get? You ain't seen nothing yet on that one. Yeah. Let's bless it. Let's do a preemptive blessing on that and say, yeah. Let's, let's say it. it together. Ready? One, two, three. How, how good, good can it can get? It get? You, you ain't, ain't seen, seen nothing, nothing yet. yet. There we go. Okay, it's done. And it's done. Okay, she's got a couple more questions. Yeah. Could the, I'm just going to point this, could yeah. the have been an attempt to halt or slow down the evolutionary jump that mankind is overdue for? I would say yes. <laughs> oh, it does look that way. And um, again, it, it seems to be having the opposite effect because well, I'm not going to go into the specifics, but clearly what was expected and anticipated and promised even by the proponents of that um, has not come to be true. In fact, pretty much the opposite. The opposite. Mm -hmm. And so it's disturbing to people who are paying attention and more and more people are paying attention. I know it seems slow, but I think that seriously backfired. So it may have been uh, inadvertently beneficial to those of us who are rev humanists, not transhumanists. Mm -hmm. That are what humanists? Rev humanists. It's rev a return. Rev is like revitalizing. It's it's rev. It's the Latin for green and growth and mm -hmm. returning to fresh beginnings. It's like that Garden of Eden feeling and just returning and reclaiming that. To me, it says reverence as well. Reverence, so absolutely. Ah. So it's really based in every good thing. And it's just a word to capture, capture this idea that's been with us for all of the indigenous people around the world for these are the wisdom keepers and they've had it for hundreds of thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And so rather than losing it, we can reclaim it. So I'm just giving it a name so that we can say, well, you've got your transhumanism, but we have always had rev humanism. Rev humanism. Yes. I love that. I love it. Cynthia, um, we're going to go to Patreon. Yes. <laughs> That's what we're going to do next. And we're, we're going to see if we can go a little deeper. It's a shame oh. that you've got to be so minding your P's and Q's. That's another thing that in the uh, revolution and the evolution, that's got to stop. That's got to stop. YT. Okay. We're going to go next door, however, and try to go a little, a little bit deeper. But I want to remind everyone again, please consider downloading Cynthia's Ascension Workshop. It is really, I think the, not only is the timing perfect, it, it's really a, um, it's it's more than a primer, but it's it's light enough where you will clearly understand everything she's saying, presenting from her perspective, and it's applicable right now. Couldn't be more appropriate for right now, particularly with and the questions fun. that we got. It's fun too, yeah. And it and it's fun, and you <laughs> and the Q and A. Now, obviously, it's not live anymore, but you get to participate. Well, you get to watch yeah. the Q and A, and it's. I think that's probably the, the best part of these workshops is the Q&A sessions because you really get to interact. But in that, a, a deeper uh, conversation was born and it's just a fantastic, a, a fantastic workshop. So we'll have the link, go ahead and download it. Lifetime access. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's all that. How good can it get? Oh, good. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> wow. 
All right, Cindy. Listen, everyone, go to realityshifters.com, realityshifters.com, and your easing is monthly. Yes, every month. Every month. And it's, you know, it's realityshifters.com, and it's easy to subscribe to it. And I don't share the list with anyone. So, how just, old is your email? Oh, it's going on like 22 years now. So, 22 very, years. very steady. Yes. That's a master number, too. Yeah. So, you got good stuff coming. How good can it get? Yeah. <laughs> Cynthia C. Larson, don't hang up. We're going to go next door to Patreon. Everyone, join us over there, would you? And you see what happens. You get to ask questions, and I guarantee will be asked, and I can almost guarantee it will be answered, unless you ask about the uh, Phoenix 2040 event. We'll do our best. It feels like the golden age, though. It feels good. I like the energy. I love it. And I love you. I love you, too. Love Love everybody who's watching too. Thank you for being part of. We this. love you and we mean it. Yeah, it's, I always say, easy to love, hard to hate. It takes effort to hate. Love is in our DNA, and right now we need as much of it as we can. So, go love someone, will you today? All right. <laughs> okay, journeyers. We'll talk to you real soon. Kiss to you. Happy holidays. Take care.